welcome to hey great shot this is the great shot podcast a crack rackets and tennis channel podcast network production my name is alex gruskin if it's a monday you know what we're doing on this show recapping another exciting week of atp challenger action with host damian kust and Jakob Bobro on today's show they recap the action in Maya and Rio de Janeiro discuss whether Chunsin Sung may break through after all and so much more. It is another fantastic episode that I know all of you listeners are going to enjoy, of course. If you've missed any of our other coverage of this month of December here across the tennis world, we've taken the opportunity to reflect on some of the biggest storylines in 2021, taking the time to preview what we think may emerge in 2022. Of course, you can find all of our content covering not only the ATP and WTA level, not only the challenger action, but of course the ITFs, college and junior tennis as well. You can find it all on our website, crackrackets.com. You can also find it on our mini break podcast feed. You can find it on our cracked interviews podcast feed. I know listeners of this episode will certainly like the interview I did with Holger Rune just a couple of days ago. You can find that conversation right now on the cracked interviews podcast feed as, of course, we continue to ensure that you remain the best educated, most well-informed tennis fans in the business. Again, all of that content available on our website, CrackedRackets.com. But enough with the plugging. You didn't come to hear that. You came to hear what's happening on the ATP Challenger Tour. So let's get to it. Another fantastic episode from Damien Kusinyaka. Bobro Westoff, hit those credits. Let's start today's show. Hello, welcome to the next episode of the Challenger Tour podcast. This is actually our 48th meeting. Uh, well, my 48th meeting, Jakub is here a little shorter, but you know, that, that's not the topic. Anyhow, this is the last episode, uh, well, the, the penultimate episode of the year, but the last one where we're actually going to be talking about the tournaments that happened. And we only have two events for you today. So that's going to be the shortest episode ever, probably. Possibly, yeah. Yeah, where do you want to go then? Maya or Rio de Janeiro? Not much to choose from this week, really. Yeah, might as well flip a coin. Uh, let's go to Rio, where I, I was... Uh, it was a very lovely venue, obviously, the Olympics venue. It yes. was great to see again after five years, a little bit of nostalgia, whatever. I was, you know... Obviously, this week we had the news that Juan Martín del Potro will be coming back. He is personally my favorite player uh, of all time. Um, and then, you know, seeing that, seeing the, seeing Rio, it was very, it was very nice for me. Um, but it was also nice for Kaichi Uchida, uh, sorry, Kaichi Uchida, the eighth seed, uh, who took the title, beating Nicolas Alvarez Varona, three, six, six, three, seven, six, his first challenger title at 27 years old. Uh, he goes up 60 spots to number 259, uh, beat Villanueva, Olivieri, uh, Seiboshfield and De Camps on the way. What did you think of Uchida this week? Yeah, I mean, I think we sort of overlooked him last week because he's he was like yeah. one of the very he was like one of the very few players who actually prioritized hard courts in this draw. Yeah. And yet we we didn't really, you know, 
look at him, but I, it was for a reason. You know, we've seen him fail to capitalize on such opportunities before. He he only had two challenger semifinals uh, before this week. I think one was in Kerry three years ago, and one was in Zhuhai two years ago. So both on hard courts as well. Uh, and definitely uh, proved that he, he he's way more competent than than the rest of the field on, on the surface. Obviously, the final was such a wild ride. Uh, he, I was super shocked to see that he was actually the the person that seemed to be, you know, more impacted by the by the pressure, especially in the opening set. Maybe it's maybe 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 being older and actually having a lot of these chances before a lot of maybe not a lot of them, but some chances before, actually, you know, didn't really help him in that regard because he maybe he sort of felt like it's now or never. And Alvarez Varona obviously has a lot to look forward to in his career. Uchida is 27, you know, not to say that he's gonna be retiring soon, but I mean, you you, you gotta wonder if if such opportunities will arrive uh, and but but here he he actually managed to take it after almost throwing away that that five to lead and you could just you know it was one of the one of the streams with multiple cameras and so you could see the you know the the, the face of Uchida and you you could literally see the fear in his eyes it was i mean you know the the experience of watching was kind of unsettling, really. But I mean, I'm glad he took it home finally. It's like a, it's like an art house uh, modern indie film or something where we just watch a, a terrified tennis player in a, in a massive cavernous stadium. Uh, I feel like that'd be an interesting concept, and Uchida could certainly star. It, it was nice having both finals, having multiple cameras and stuff. It was it was nice to see. Um, yeah, I, I was certainly surprised by the by the final lineup. You picked Iker for this tournament, and I thought when I saw the semis that he was going to take this one, uh, which obviously got beaten by Alvarez Varona. Uh, speaking of Alvarez Varona, uh, let me just pull up his his road here uh, to the to the final. He beat Diaz Acosta in the first round, Daderi, Roy Smith, and then aforementioned Kiker. Um, quite a nice road, I think, and Toki Ked there. Uh, do do you think do you feel like he's progressed, taken another step? Yeah, surely. I mean, uh, I didn't really know much about his hardcore game, but it looks like he can quite easily translate it. His serve was great. Uh, I think before the final, he was broken like three times in the whole event. Uh, twice by by Diaz Acosta and once by Kicker, I think. Yeah, that, that 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 seems to be right, or maybe or maybe four times, something like that. Uh, I think the the kicker win was definitely uh, you know the, the the influence of kicker playing two two matches in a row was huge there, but it was still like an almost perfect performance up until six two five three when he you know lost his serve when trying to serve it out it was actually the, the first time he uh, had any sort of problems on his own delivery in that match. But then closed it. Kicker had some physical issues too, but but I was definitely impressed with with Alvarez Verona. And for like a set and a half in the final, he he definitely seemed like the better player. Uchida struggled with the wind a lot too, but but Alvarez Verona was very solid and actually never really dropped that level. It was it was more about Uchida finally, you know, settling down. But but a great week for him regardless. He only had one quarterfinal before. On clay, obviously, in in Barcelona this week, I think, uh, and and he could be one of the players who are going to you know just break through in obviously not to the main tour yet at least, 
but I, I I'm assuming we're gonna see him a lot in challengers next year. Yeah, yeah, she's really exciting. Uh, we should also mention Gabriel de Camps, who you sort of called as having um, hardcore experience that could have a run here, run to the semis. I mean, very very solid. Uh, here beat Barrientos, uh, Alejandro Gomez, and Daniel Dutra da Silva. Uh, what did you make of the camps this week? Yeah, I, 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 the match against Uchida was actually pretty bad, honestly, but I, I got what I wanted. Uh, the, the ITF results that he had this year were totally justified. He is a player who also should be playing at this level pretty soon, I'm assuming. Obviously, it's going to be much tougher for him than Alvarez Verona because he still has that. Uh, you know, the huge amount of ranking spots to cover, but still, uh, still a great run. I, I really enjoyed seeing him. We didn't mention because I didn't realize at the time that he, the, the two years where he didn't play, which I was talking about, uh, was just about him being in college. Most players still, you know, while in college, they still catch a few ITFs here or there, but he actually didn't. Uh, he played for University of uh, Central Florida, I think, right? There, there is something like that, or am I? <laughs> It sounds sounds like it could exist, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, UCF, I think. Yeah, University of Central Florida. Yeah. Uh, so he he was actually in college, not not injured or anything, and he was a pretty good player there as well. So so definitely not surprised with this run. I I was sort of expecting it, even though I never actually saw him play before this week. Yeah, I mean that, that's interesting that he chose not to play any ITFs. Uh, there, there's plenty of them in Florida, at least there was in, in past years. Although I'm not sure if they're the easiest to get into if you don't have a ranking. Uh, so, so that might have been what, what was behind it. Um, yeah, anything else from Mario? Um, yeah, I, I mean we should talk about the doubles because Luz and Matos got the title, which was pretty important for like the, the you know the year end rankings of titles won because Luz got his eighth and that actually has him in the lead by himself. Matos got Matos got his seventh as well, which uh, has him tied with Nedoviesov. Yeah, but Luz won that uh, you know won uh, won that sort of you know, classification. Uh, with eight this year. Crazy, crazy to win eight titles in a, in a year. Um, yeah, a, a, anything else from singles? We, we had Sebosfield, uh who lost in the quarters. Um, seemed to kind of, he, he had a very easy first round against uh, Esquichi, 6 mm-hmm. 6 He kind of struggled in that second round against Niklas, 7-5 in the third until he lost to Uchida. Did you see any of Sebosfield? Um, some of that, I mean, we, we sort of mentioned that he's probably one of the best hardcore players in the field, but uh, as you said, the first round really wasn't that meaningful. And from the match against Nicholas, you could kind of see that this was going to be a struggle. I don't know if it's still, you know, just him not being in the right place mentally, but something is certainly keeping him from playing his best tennis. Um, yeah. All right. Should we move on to Maya? Uh, yeah, sure. All right. Uh, Maya, where we had Chun Xin Tseng uh, win his first challenger title, 5-7-7-5-6-2 over Nuno Borges. Um, as I said, his first challenger title, no herbati, no problem, clearly, for, for Tseng. Uh, <laughs> he moves up 44 spots, number 188, breaks the top 200, which actually both guys... Uh, Brock to top 200. Also, Borges moved up to, I think, 194, uh, if I remember correctly. 
Anyway, Ceng beat Viola, Marožan, Estevelobato, Andri Martin, who he demolished in the semifinals, uh, before beating Borges in the final. What did you make of Ceng this week? Yeah, I mean, I've sort of gotten used to you know, talking about Ceng in the way that he doesn't really have the potential to go far in the sport, but if he plays like in the in that final. Maybe, maybe it's not that, you know, not that it's maybe the out- outcome of his playing career is not fixed yet. Obviously, I'm kind of joking here since he's 20. I mean, obviously, the outcome is not fixed here, but it was a pretty com. it's been a pretty common consensus that uh, with his physicality, it's going to be very hard for him to, to, to you know, to, to just play against high quality opposition consistently. But he was really so good against Borges. Like usually his attempts to generate any pace end with a number of wild errors. And definitely not this time. He was, as always, counterpunching very well, but really made his life hard for Nuno there. Uh, then the, there was also the issue of, of Borges being a bit gassed in the third, which is very, very understandable because he had a very busy year and the last three weeks, Antalya winning the title in singles. And then here in Maya, which is his hometown, by the way, uh, he won both doubles titles and then uh, played a, a, a final and the semi in singles. So there was really a lot of workloads. Uh, in 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 Borges <laughs> in Borges's life recently, so 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 you know it wasn't really a shock to see him kind of gassed in the third, but that doesn't take away from how good Sang was in the in, in this final, and also a, a fabulous couple of weeks for him because before that uh, stretch in Maya he only had one one final from like what early 2020 it was something like that right I, I can't. No, 2019, he, he was in the final in Prague. Yeah, the last two net of 18. Uh, never mind, 19, yeah, I think. Um, yeah, uh, to, to talk about a little bit more about Nuno Borges, um, his route to the final was Bonadio in the first round, then Eduardo Labagno, Nicolas Sanchez Izquierdo, and Elio Benchetri in the semi-finals so not 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 the toughest route i would say the first round probably the toughest there but as you said uh saying was very good in the final and Borges so you do appreciate bonadio after all <laughs> <laughs> i mean i appreciate it more than elio benchatri uh i'm not yeah. picking benchatri for any titles or anything anytime soon and i was thinking <laughs> of, of the lineup of these four that he beat but yeah uh, borges in the in the final in the third set especially seemed to struggle uh physically Saying though, I, w- I was very impressed. I still think that the the serve needs to improve for me, uh, for for him to break through. Um, but yeah, I, I was I was quite to see when when he was finishing off the match that he could actually generate his own power and actually swing a bit more, and and trying to end those rallies against Borges. Um, and not just sit back and counterpunch, which he probably could have done or should have done against an, a potentially injured or tired opponent. Um, but yeah, very impressive from Tseng. Um, Should we talk about uh, Borges' doubles? Yes, of course. Yes, so uh, Borges with Francisco Cabral won the title in Maya, beating Piotr Matuszewski and David Pichler. Uh, they also beat Sadio Dumbia and Fabien Rebull uh, in the semifinals. And they have won the most uh, titles this year as a team in doubles, right? Yep, six, yeah. And Dumbia and Rebul were also sitting on five. So it was an unofficial match for it because you still had to beat Matuszewski and Pichler, obviously. Uh, yeah, 
incredibly impressive uh especially considering that i actually have that here let me pull it up because obviously Dumbi and Red Bull have been playing together all year long. Uh, they've they've played a quite actually insane amount of tournaments together. Yeah, I don't know if they even played with someone else, right? I mean, that they're one of the. I, I can't think of anything like that. Yeah, they they played. This was their twenty second uh, tournament together this year, whereas Borges and Cabral won those uh, six tournaments in just ten. Uh, Dunga uh, and Red Bull are 53 and 31 together this year. And from what I see, uh, Dumbia has one match with someone else. Uh, oh, wait, yeah, sorry. My, my, this is wrong because I, I, I don't count uh, first-term losses in this. Yeah, yeah. That, that, and Rabul is, Rabul is actually... Rabul has played every single time with, with Dumbia, while Dumbia had uh, one, per, one appearance with... I don't even know who. I cannot really find it. Okay, let, let's you know, you talk and I will and I will try to find it. So so Borges and Cabral, despite the fact that they have the most titles, are uh, they, they they finished sixth in the year end rankings here um, for teams, which is obviously very impressive in in just ten. I I do plan on counting first round losses from next year to sort of get a more complete picture and also do individual rankings because. As you said, uh, Luz had the most titles, mm -hmm. uh, and he wouldn't make the, he wouldn't make the year end finals here because he uh, I think got almost all of his with uh, Matosh and then a couple with Melijeni and he's he's sort of like on the top yeah. fifteen. Yeah, Luz is not. Yeah, I also have the field here. Yeah, Luz is not in the uh, in the theoretical uh, ATP yeah. Challenger Tour finals. Yeah, it's not real, but if it was, he wouldn't be in there. Yeah, doubles never really was in there, but I mean, you know, yeah. we can we can sort of speculate about that. Director, uh, uh, we, we would bring it in there. I, I found I found the one match that Dumbia played, and he played with Hugo Gaston in Cherbourg. Ah, that's that's not what I would would have gone for. Definitely not. Um. All right. Anything else from from Maya? Uh, let me let, let me think. I I did watch uh, Boris and Cabral winning the title, which you know on the rare occasion that I watch doubles. But I <laughs> I wanted to see the final against Matuszewski. They they are a bit of a weird pair. I mean that they, they weren't even that good at the net. They were sort of just that. You know they they, they played fantastic when. Uh, Pichler and Matuszewski were at the net, definitely. Just coming back from behind, doing points. They also broke uh, Matuszewski four times, which was like the, the key to win uh, and a bit of a sad uh, result for me, obviously. Uh, but I, the serve is definitely, and power in general, is definitely something that I feel like Matuszewski has to work on if he wants to you know, go to the main tour. Uh, still a great result for him too. Oh yes, and we I would also like to mention Elmar Jupovic, who I mean I had a pretty good week on the predictions front, not necessarily in in the you know the winners, but in the guys that I mentioned as potential dark horses, and I'm talking of Dekams and Ayupovic, uh, obviously. And Ayup I, I mentioned when picking Kimer Kopejans that I really don't like the fact that Ayupovic landed in his uh, in his quarter in his. Uh, second round and that was exactly what happened the the german 20 28 year old qualifier is really capable of playing some insane tennis on his day definitely not able to maintain it over a week or over a couple of even even often even a couple of matches but he was playing really well in in maya here 
uh, even though he lost first round uh, last time, but he played against Borges and took a set. He actually came very close to winning and here got his first quarterfinal at the at the age of 28. I think he's like his career high is like 380, 381 or something. Yeah, and and he when when you actually catch him on one of the days that he's playing well, you wouldn't really you, know, you wouldn't really believe that. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely look forward to to watching more of the Yubovich next season. Uh, that's for sure. Um, yeah, that, that that's all for me. What, what we have for these two tournaments here? Um, anything else? Yeah, and before we go, we also have to do match and upset of the week for the last time in two thousand twenty-one. Uh, so, what's your upset of the week? Uh, my upset is going to be Alvarez Barona beating Kiker. I mentioned it earlier in, in, in the tournament. Uh, yeah, I mean, looking at that, looking at the semifinal lineup, I thought that you were going to get one last point out of our, our winner <laughs> pick. Uh, obviously, I, I was out by day one, really. Uh, my, my pick was Puccinelli, who I think pulled out, if, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then I had Meltzer in the other tournament, so that was gone, but... Uh, yeah, Alvarez Verona beating Kiker in the semis for me. Oh, you're right. I didn't even realize that he pulled out. I totally forgot who was your pick for Rio. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I am actually going to go for the match where you lost your only pick then. And <laughs> gonna go with Oliveira beating Meltzer. Uh, that's, I, I'm just looking at that pick, it made sense to me. I sort of assumed that Meltzer cannot lose to Oliveira. Uh, I keep underestimating him. Like, Goncalo Oliveira plays, like, in every single tournament every year. <laughs> and, yeah, sometimes he just looks like he absolutely cannot win a match at this level. And then there comes the day when he, when he you know, when he beats a very competitive opponent like, like this. I don't know if it's, you know, should you just play... If, if you play this many events, you're actually going to get some wins, regardless of how you play. I mean, I don't know. But he, he's, I thought it's more what it is with Oliveira, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's had a few of these stunners recently, like beating Serundolo. Uh, I can't remember the South American event, but what one of these ones. And I and it, it just catches me off guard every single time. <laughs> uh, for the bookies, it was actually something else. Uh, I believe it was uh, something from Rio. Yes, uh, Gomez beating Fikovic. I mean, on... On hard courts, this was a matchup that was so enigmatic for me that that I really didn't, you know, wasn't that surprised with it, for sure. Yeah, certainly didn't seem like the biggest shock to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, but for, for, my, for my match of the week, I've decided to go with the Maya final, uh, saying beating Borges. Uh, I, I felt like it was really a high level, uh, especially from saying. The, the crowd was was in there, getting involved, rooting for Borges, obviously, hometown. I just thought it was because he was Portuguese. Um, but either way, very exciting match. Yeah, uh, I th think I'm going to go for the same thing. I mean, just a really, really high-quality match to end, end the season, which was good to see. Uh, I also saw many people who don't usually watch challengers tuning into it, especially as, you know, now there's pretty much nothing. Uh, there's pretty much nothing else to to watch, so 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 it was cool because you know they actually got into a, a very high quality game between two names that they probably recognized even though they don't watch challengers. Well, maybe thank thank for sure because of the the junior slam finals. Borges maybe they watched uh, Estoril this year, uh, but anyhow, yeah, that, that's what I'm gonna go for as well. Actually, both finals were really entertaining. 
but the 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 one in Rio was certainly uh you know at least a bit um uh, just you know at least a bit worse than in terms of the playing quality but the drama was there for sure yeah all right uh we will have one more podcast for you which is gonna be like a summary uh, it's gonna come in a week uh we'll have also mm-hmm. stuff such as trivia um um players that we're going to miss next season players that we're looking forward to to sort of you know guys that are coming up guys that are dropping down our favorite matches favorite tournaments uh etc yeah yeah so hopefully this is gonna make up for the very short episode this week but that's that's what we have for you this is gonna be the 49th sadly we cannot do it on the 50th episode because that would have been that would have been perfect but it wasn't really our choice you know that's how many weeks were in a year uh so we're not actually saying goodbye we're gonna see you in a week anyway uh but yeah it's been a fun season and thanks for uh, following it along with us uh and see you in a week when we're gonna do the summary bye Hope all of you enjoyed another ATP Challenger-centric episode from contributors Damian Kust and Jakob Babro. A huge thank you to them, as always, for taking the time to contribute to this episode. I say this each and every Monday. I mean it every time. You are not going to find two people more tuned into everything happening at the Challenger level than Damian and Jakob. So thank you for their contributions to us here at Crack Rackets for the entire 2021 season. It made us just a better media outlet. So shout out to the both of them. Of course, if you missed any of our other coverage here in the month of December, we've shifted into off-season mode, previewing 2022, recapping the biggest storylines of 2021 across levels in the tennis world. If you've missed any of that coverage, you can find it all on our website, CrackRackets.com. Of course, like, rate, subscribe, review to this show, the Mini Break Podcast, Cracked Interviews Podcast, and our YouTube channel to ensure you don't miss out on any of our content. Of course, if you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly? I am at Great Shot Pod. A shout out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the f*** of an editing job he does day in, day out. With all of that said, for our hosts, Damien Kustan, Jakob Barbaro, super producer Daniel Westoff, and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. Hey, great shot, and we'll see you all next time. Thanks, everyone.